You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page? And thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 11 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. As always, I am your host, Michael Hardwick, joined by my brother, the graduate himself, Robert Hardwick. Hey. Um, today we're recording episode 11 in the Celebration Studios. Uh, the reason for the celebration is Robert just uh, graduated today with his master's in uh, business, or healthcare uh, management. So uh, that gives us some reason to celebrate. So if you guys uh, are listening to this soon, reach out and uh, say congrats to him on doing that. So Pretty soon we'll be able to move on to just football-related stuff, and he won't have to do homework. Any thoughts on that, Robert? No, it's been a long journey, but I'm happy we're towards the end of it. Yeah, so uh, we wanted to touch on something that we kind of are are excited about with episode 11, and that's um, the fantasy impact of the rookie draft or of the the the, the draft. And we're just going to talk about the rookies, how they're going to play in fantasy. Um, we know we've had some friends who are starting to do their rookie draft, exclusive rookie drafts for their fantasy leagues, their dynasty leagues. Um, so we wanted to get this out. Um, I know our league probably will have a draft in June. So um, we're just getting getting a start on that, looking at those. So, yeah, for episode 11, we're going to break down the the offensive positions, um, how the fantasy impact will be for these rookies, um, and then kind of give you maybe our, our top 10 total players, maybe how we see them being drafted out. Um, and then we're each going to pick a sleeper at the end. So that's kind of episode 11. We're just going to dive on in and I think we should start with the, the group that gets the most attention, you know, come fantasy and the group that has the most impact um, day one um, in the NFL fantasy wise. And that's the running backs. Um, so I think we're just going to we're going to start with our number one guy. Might as well just go top bottom, top to bottom. Um, and that's Clyde, Clyde Edwards Alaire um, out of the Kansas City Chiefs. So the only running back taken in the first round. And I think you were also with me on this. This is kind of a surprise pick. Yeah, I mean, the, the top of the running back class is pretty condensed. We didn't think any of them were great by any means. Possibly wasn't a first-round pick. He's going to be great if you're in a PPR league. He may not have the rushing yards to begin. Mike will talk about the depth chart here in a little bit. But I think he'll be good in that passing offense and be able to get out in open spaces and pick up some yards. It, going into this, really, it's kind of whoever Kansas City took as a running back was most likely going to be the number one guy you know, uh, for us in our fantasy uh, rookies for fantasy purposes, just because of how much their offense puts up for points. We see it year in and year out. Guys like Damian Williams being top fantasy players who who came out of nowhere, where Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a ton of talent, ton of potential. He's being compared to Brian Westbrook. And I think, you know, it makes sense why he's coming in here at number one. Yeah, if you're looking for, if you're in a PPR league, you're looking to draft a rookie running back, this is probably going to be your guy in the draft. Uh, Michael's going to talk about here about the Chiefs depth chart here and kind of how he'll fit in. Yeah, so right away, I mean, Damian Williams, as I just mentioned, he's going to be the number one guy there still. I think he'll get a chance to show still what he has because he's been good over the last two years. And then, you know, Edwards Alaire is going to slide in at the number two guy in the depth chart. But really, you know, kind of surprising how many running backs they signed this season. They're going to have to cut some. They have Darwin Thompson, who they drafted last year that we were both very, very big on um, and didn't get enough of a chance. But he might be a kind of a just a, a pass-catching third-down kind of back. But Elijah McGuire, who played at the Jets for some years, Darrell Williams, who's been at the Chiefs, and DeAndre Washington, a pass-catcher out of uh, the Raiders. Yeah. He's, you know, These guys are all guys who have some NFL experience. 
But really, Edward Zolaire only has to fight with Damian Williams to get that number one spot. And I think early on, we saw Damian Williams and McCoy last year sharing touches, and it's going to be the exact same thing. But Edward Zolaire has so much more potential. He can block, pass block. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. And Andy Reid loves him. That's why they got him at the end of the first with such a reach. And if you're looking for running backs in this draft that maybe don't have the wear on the tires that some of the others do, I think he's going to be a great pickup that could last a lot longer in the league than maybe some of these other guys. This year was kind of his big year stats-wise, but he really hasn't been used like maybe the next guy coming up. Yep. Yeah, so we're going to move to number two. And, and this is where maybe our rankings are going to differ from other people's or from maybe analysts online. We're just going to go with kind of our gut feeling on what we think. And we have uh, Jonathan Taylor at number two. And obviously, we, we talked about this in our, our pre-rankings or our pre-draft uh, talks of our running backs. Jonathan Taylor is the best pure running back in this draft. Um by far the most talented, just pure runner. And he goes to a team with by far the best offensive line. Yeah, and if you look at him, he's maybe more of an Adrian Peterson type runner that you'd see in the past. Has some, I mean, fumbling issues, but he's going to have the yards. He's going to have touchdowns once he beats out, you know, Marlon Mack, which I think he does pretty early in his career. He's got a lot of wear on the tires. So if you're drafting him, say you're the second pick, you need a running back, you're drafting him maybe short term. I don't think he's going to be a 10-year player. But you could get five or six really good years out of him, and I think he's going to put up some fantasy numbers. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor kind of has maybe what Todd Gurley was these last. I mean, maybe not the pass catching Gurley had exactly, but like you know, Gurley had this injury and it limited his career. And I think Taylor's going to be the same way with just how much he's ran the ball. And and I think why you want to take him is because of that offensive line. It's best offensive line in football. Young offensive yep, line. And I think they're going to open holes up for him just like they did for Mac. And you got Phillip Rivers who likes to throw the ball, but I think he's dependent on a run game opening things up. And so I really think he's going to be a great pick. If you take him at number two, you're not going to be upset with it. Yeah, the Colts got a good pick with, with Jonathan Taylor. I think, yeah, the depth chart, you have Marlon Mack ahead of him. But then behind him, you have Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins, names a lot of fantasy people are familiar with because they usually found a way on a roster during bye weeks or in PPR leagues. And from my understanding and reading is that Naheem Hines is still going to have a pretty big role when it comes to that pass catching third down late in games type stuff. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor, there's, there's some concern because he's got to break through that depth chart a little bit. But if he can keep the fumbles under control, Frank Reich's going to get the most out of Jonathan Taylor. And yeah, it might only be five, six years, hopefully more, but you're going to get fantasy production. Yeah. And you want to talk about breaking through depth charts. We move on to DeAndre Swift here uh, with the Lions. He's going to have to battle it out a little bit with Kirion Johnson. They got Bo Scarborough. They're a team with Stafford that likes to throw the ball around. But I do think once he kind of fits into that offense, I don't know if this year is really going to be his breakout year. But if you take him going forward saying, hey, in two or three years, he could be that explosive back. I think he's really going to show, depending on if they get new coaching staff, what happens with Stafford, he could be that lead guy. But I think by the end of the season, he's getting the majority of the carries. Yeah, and last year, you know, the Lions brought in Darren Bevel out of uh, Seattle, who who pretty much was in instrumental as an offensive coordinator in just establishing a run game. And I know last year, that's the, the, the direction that they wanted to go. Um, and, you know, Kerryon Johnson ended up getting hurt. Otherwise, Kerryon had some success. I think Kerryon's going to get the chance to start. But, you know, DeAndre Swift's breathing down the neck. We talked about he is the most complete back in this draft mm -hmm. out of Georgia. And, yeah, I mean, he's going to catch out of the backfield more. And I've seen some pictures on, Inst on Instagram and Twitter and stuff of DeAndre Swift working out with um, Matt Stafford right now. So, I, I mean, don't read too much into it because I know there's already some beef blowing up between Kerryon Johnson, you know, the Lions, because they're, they're saying, like, look at all the work DeAndre Swift's putting in. So it could be interesting. So if you're sitting there about four or five in the draft and you're like, oh, I don't want to take a quarterback. It's a little too early. 
or it's maybe a little too early for a wide receiver. You could take DeAndre Swift, and he's definitely going to be a big stat guy in the next coming years. And the difference between this and the, our next guy is just the fact that Swift's going to get more usage now and by you know, midseason, maybe even before that, be just taking over as the pure number one runner for him. Um, but yeah, our next guy, J.K. Dobbins, out of out of uh, Ohio State, gets drafted by Baltimore. Now you love the fit with Dobbins in Baltimore. The problem just being he's got Mark Ingram ahead of him, who Mark Ingram probably still has two more good, good years left. And, you know, minus an injury just this last year was one of the best runners in football. Yeah, and they drafted a running back last year to be the number Justice two. Justice Hill. Yep, that never really worked out, but... I don't think he got the opportunity. So does that happen to J.K. Dobbins? I think Dobbins is that electric type of running back that's going to be able to run that option offense kind of that Lamar Jackson's going to want to run. So I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities when he gets them. I do think he's going to be a big touchdown back. I don't think he's going to have the yards. Maybe Mark Ingram will. But I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities touchdown-wise. So I think maybe you go end of first round, beginning of second in your rookie drafts. And I think he'd be great value if you could pick him up there. Absolutely. If you're a team that doesn't really need a quarterback um, and, and you don't really want to reach for a wide receiver because there's just so many in this rookie class, and you're like, you know what, let's just take the flyer. You know, I'm, I might have to sit him for a year. Maybe Mark Ingram gets an injury, gets knocked up like he did last year. J.K. Dobbins could very well have the most fantasy upside out of this entire group just because the offense he's in, how much they run the ball, Lamar Jackson taking all that attention, and Dobbins just being a fantastic runner. You know, obviously behind Mark Ingram he sits, but then behind him he has Gus Edwards, who just year in and year out gets a lot of touches, and then Justice Hill, who, like they said, they drafted last year to kind of be that that explosive running back. But, yeah, Dobbins is sitting in a really good position with a great franchise um, for a lot of success. His impact is going to be more on the team overall success, more so than fantasy. But down the road, he's going to be an absolute fantasy star. And then this this next player, you know, this is where you, all these three guys here could have been interchangeable. Uh, we're going to go Cam Akers um, out of Florida State, goes to the Rams. He's going to he's going to try to replace what Todd Gurley gave them for years. Um, give me your thoughts on Akers' fit with the Rams. Oh, this might be my favorite running back in rookie drafts. He's just he doesn't have a whole lot of wear on the tires. He was the only pick out of Florida State this year in the draft. And so it shows his talent level with less talent by him in college. The the Rams were most successful when their run game was going and helping Goff that way. And so I think he's able to step in. And I think by the end of the year, he's running back one for him. But they do also have Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, who they do like there. But I really think Cam Akers with some talent around him will really emerge and be able to use that skill set. Yeah, I mean, the names in front of him aren't anything like, you know, Kerryon Johnson or Mark Ingram. But, you know, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, they love Daryl Henderson. I know that. They like and, those bigger backs. And Malcolm Brown has been a stalwart for him for the last couple of years. And Sean McVay, you know, he likes to be fancy, likes to show he can do it with the guys he brought in. But no, I think Cam Akers, are like, you're right, by by if not midseason, by by towards the end of the season, um, you know, they're going to use him. They want to be careful with him because they don't want to overuse a running back. They just saw they did that with Gurley. But uh, Cam Akers was the highest profiled of these guys coming out of high school. He was the number one running back. So he has just this an absolute you know potential, this high, high ceiling that I don't think got fully tapped at, at Florida State. Yeah, and I think by the end of the year, you could see him putting up 100-yard games with a touchdown or two. I just think he has that kind of electric ability. And like I said, he didn't get to show it very much at Florida State just because of the lack of talent around him. But getting into a division where, yeah, you have the Seahawks, you have the Cardinals, but I think he's able to get the yardage on there. And I think you'd see production from him by the end of the year. So I think an end of the first round pick maybe for him, 
mid first round if you really not need a quarterback or receiver it'd be a great spot for him yeah i mean and, and when we say like where they're going to slot in it's all dependent on how your team runs you know and, and we'll get into that a little bit more when we do our total rankings but yeah i mean uh, acres one thing we didn't see a ton at florida state was necessarily his pass catching ability and i think that's something that was very undervalued and will be will pay big dividends with ppr um but yeah we're going to move on to another guy a guy not a lot of people might know um but who who was very productive in college and who i think was one of the one of the kind of the steals in this draft and kind of under the radar guy. And that's Keyshawn Vaughn who lands in at the Buccaneers. Um, and, you know, we, we see all the weapons that the Buccaneers are getting for Brady. Um, but, uh, you know, Bruce Arians usually has a fantasy relevant, very fantasy relevant running back. Yeah. And you and you know, Tom Brady's going to want to use him just like they did all the running backs in New England. There's going to be a lot of screen plays, those types of things. But I think he's going to be able to run the ball a lot. They have Ronald Jones there. And at times he showed glimpses that he is a number one back there's times he's completely disappeared. And so I think they need to find some stability there. And I think Vaughn can definitely be that guy, maybe later rounds in your draft. Yeah, I mean, Keyshawn, uh, they're going to give Ronald Jones as much of a chance to be successful because he is still so young. I mean, he's he's like the same age as all these running backs that got drafted. And he was drafted, you know, what, was it two years ago now already? Yeah. So, like, you know, he was just really young when he came out of USC. He showed those glimpses last year, and they're going to give him a shot. They also drafted a guy in Calais Raymond in the seventh round, who I'm hearing that that Bruce Arians just fell in love with. Obviously, he's not really fantasy relevant, but in terms of more Keyshawn John or Keyshawn Vaughn's value, he could kind of take some touches away. But Vaughn, there's a lot of upside here um, if if he does get a ton of touches with this offense that's developing down there um, in Tampa Bay. Um, and then we're going to move on to one of the players that I just love in this draft and want to talk about, um, mainly because of uh, Frank Gore's departure out of Buffalo, which kind of saddened me. But um, that's Zach Moss going into Buffalo. Um, a team that, you know, they're going to be a ground and pound team. They're going to wear you down and then get get uh, Josh Allen rolling out, d- dropping those deep bombs. And to me, Zach Moss, really his comparison, I kept saying it was Frank Gore. He's a Frank Gore runner. <clears throat> and so I just think him and Devin Singletary are going to complement each other really, really well, like Frank Gore did last year with him. Yeah. And like you say, you, you compared him to Frank Gore. I think they get a younger version of him going forward. And that's the kind of back they want. So in those Buffalo winners and things like that, they're going to be able to give it to him. And he's really going to be able to get those yards that maybe a smaller Singletary's not. So I think he's going to be a great value pick. And I he might be the one that emerges a little earlier than maybe these other running backs do. But I think he's going to be great from, you know, midseason. And you're just going to get a lot of value from him. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to see the Bills depth chart, it's Devin Singletary, TJ Yeldon, the forgotten TJ Yeldon, and then Zach Moss. I think he's going to, you know, TJ Yeldon's this pass-catching kind of guy. That's what he's been his entire career. Zach Moss is going to jump him. But don't sleep on Devin Singletary. I mean, if you guys don't really know him, you need to find out this Devin Singletary guy. He was drafted last year. He's going to be a touchdown machine. He's a smaller guy, but they really, really like Devin Singletary. He will be fantasy relevant. But Zach Moss is going to be such a good complimentary back to him that we're not saying he, he should be drafted in the first round of your running back draft. But if you have that second round pick that you want to get a guy that's just going to be consistent, not fumble, like Frank Gore has been, Zach Moss is the guy. Yeah, and I kind of compare what they're trying to do to maybe what the Saints did in the past. You know, a Zach Moss being a uh, Mark Ingram type. And Singletary is not Kamara by any means, but kind of being that smaller shifty back that they can use. But I definitely like Zach Moss going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of all we have to say on that. The last guy we're going to touch on is a guy I know my brother's just raving to talk about, and that's A.J. Dillon at the Packers. Um, and, you know, we talked about A.J. Dillon in, in length this our last episode. Um, if you haven't heard about Robert's feelings about the draft, go back and, and listen to episode 10 because you shouldn't be on 11 if you're not on, done, done with 10. But, yeah, tell me your thoughts on Dillon. Yeah, right? and I had to be talked off the ledge a couple times with the Packers draft, and 
I'm not far from the ledge, but I think A.J. Dillon, obviously they have Aaron Jones. They got Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is kind of just that got to get a third down type of back, and he's able to get those couple yards, but he's not going to develop into a number one. They owe Aaron Jones a lot of money this coming season, so do you really want to pay a running back that much money, especially if you're planning on getting rid of Aaron Rodgers in the future? And he's going to be a bigger back. Dylan's going to be a bigger back that's going to bring being able to pick up those goal line touchdowns that they missed last year, settling for field goals. And he's going to be a good fit. Is year one, is he going to get the yardage and the touchdowns? I don't think so. But maybe year two and three, you're looking at a guy that can really rack up some touchdowns. Yeah, I think you know he could be one of these bigger question mark running backs because he's in a system where you have a, a really good, with Aaron Jones, a good running back in front of him. Um, but I think he was kind of, I mean, he was, he was overutilized and underutilized, if that makes any sense at Boston college, they didn't even tap into the potential of his pass catching game. And I think with the Packers, you know, helping Aaron Rodgers out in that regard, I think you could see him being more PPR relevant. He has more of the Leonard Fournette physique, the big power runner, but even Fournette this year, I mean, you have to catch around 50 passes if you're going to be in the RB one category. And I think, you know, AJ Dillon has that potential to do that. Yeah, and in my opinion, Dylan may be always going to be a number two back, a complimentary back. He's going to punish people for trying to tackle him. He's an angry runner that breaks breaks a lot of tackles. I mean, what is he, 240? 250. Yeah, so he, I mean, he's a foot, big back. So if, if a linebacker or safety is going to come up and try to pop him, they're going to pay for it. So I think it helps break those defenses down, and I think that helps the Packers' offense going forward. I, yeah, again, I think A.J. Dillon is more like we talked about um, earlier, that he's he's kind of a guy that's going to help your team out. He's going to be like Dobbins. He's going to be better for your team's success overall than his fantasy relevance right away because you're not going to want to try to tackle A.J. Dillon in the winters, in Lambeau, late in the season. And I think they are going to use the hell out of Aaron Jones just because most likely he's going to walk on a big deal. Why not get the most out of him if you can, like they did to Marco Murray in Dallas a few years ago? Yeah, so, I mean, depending on how many rounds your drafts are, it's a guy that you can take a flyer on at the end and say, hey, this guy might have a bunch of touchdowns depending on what the Packers do at the goal line. So I think it's a great pick at the end of your draft. And down the road, he could end up being kind of like that Derrick Henry workhorse. We just don't really know. He's a question mark, but definitely worth a round two flyer depending on what your team is looking like currently. Okay, to move on to the wide receivers and do the rankings for wide receivers, we're just, again, going to start with our number one guy. And it's pretty clear to see, and it pains me to say it, but it's C.D. Lamb at the Cowboys. You know, he went number 17. Kind of, again, we talked about it on the, our draft recap. What a pick that was. What a, you know, kind of a sneaky pick. But, I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts about C.D. Lamb and his fantasy relevancy for uh, the, the Cowboys? Well, his fit's great there. Obviously, again, I don't like seeing him there either. I think he's going to be a great number two there. Um, obviously they gave him number 88, so they're expecting high things from him. I think he's going to be an immediate impact right away. And I think eventually he could compete with Cooper to be the number one right receiver for him. So yeah, obviously their depth chart, it's looking really good for him. You have Amari Cooper to take all the number one coverage away from him. And then you have Michael Gallup, who, I mean, I've no people who know me know I like Michael Gallup. He's a number two guy. He's going to be their second outside guy. CD Lamb's going to slot in at their slot guy, slot in at their slot. Nice. But he will also play some outside if Amari Cooper gets hurt like he does. And he can do both. But right, I, I still think he will be their number two guy this next season. Yeah, and I think his fantasy impact goes beyond this year, obviously, if you take him. Where we've talked about this and we'll talk about it in future breakdowns. But Amari Cooper could be cowboyless next year. I mean, he could go somewhere else based off his contract. He definitely didn't sign one that's, I mean, incentivized towards him. And Michael might break that down a little bit more, but Lamb could be the number one guy going forward. Yeah. So I talked about this with my brother. I did some reading on it and Mari Cooper's contract is actually kind of asinine. Like 
you know, it was supposed to be this hundred million dollar deal, which actually it's only about forty million dollars if in guaranteed money. Um, and and the amount of dead money left to the Cowboys is actually pretty ridiculous if they were to get rid of him after June first next year. So I think it's actually likely that Amari Cooper won't be on the Cowboys longer than two years, um, and, and enough time for them to see you know how this pairing of them two uh, of, of Lamb and Cooper work. But I think they already got super excited about Lamb, thinking that he's their new Des, he's their new Michael Irvin. And they're kind of like, well, Cooper, if we can get rid of you for your money, probably recoup another first-round pick, and and they'll probably move on from him in yeah. a year or two. And my only concern with C.D. Lamb, for all you guys, I think he's going to put up big numbers his first year. But I do think they have a lot of mouths to feed. Absolutely. They're going to want to give it to Zeke with what they paid him, make it relevant to make sure that they paid the running back what they needed to. And you got a new coaching staff in there. He likes to throw the ball. He didn't like to use running backs very much. So you Zeke owners out there, be a little careful – but C.D. Lamb could be caught in between having too many mouths to feed, too many personalities, and he could be the next one getting in there. I will say one thing the NFL has done lately is improved. I shouldn't say teams have been putting more focus on a good slot corner. So I think he is going to be going up against a lot better slot corners than we've had in the past. But I mean, I think early in his career, you know, through this year, probably through midseason, he's going to be more of Dak's check down guy like they've had in the past. If you go back and look at their past, Slot players, the Randall Cobb last year was kind of just a check down guy. A Cole Beasley was a good one, but he was a check down guy. And I think that's what CeeDee Lamb will be early in his career is an absolute luxury for him. And I think then down the road, you know, maybe the year after, he's a solidified number two. And if you even look at what Michael Gallup did last year as a number two, it's a guy you want on your team who will be in your starting lineup every week just because of the the points that the Dallas Cowboys put up last year. And then, yeah, I think just... You know, it, 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 there's not, we don't need to say much on it. There's a reason why he's the number one guy. Yeah. So and you guys know. Yeah. So we'll move on to Jerry Judy being taken by the Broncos. They're trying to build an electric offense there to compete with the Chiefs, compete with what the Raiders have and the Chargers. Um, I'm a big fan of Jerry Judy going there. I think you, Cortland Sutton fans, I think are excited that Jerry Judy's there because Sutton was getting mugged by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. And so Judy's going to get a lot of looks. They're kind of building an, an offense that's a passing offense with Drew Locke. Oh, what's your thoughts on Judy? I think for Broncos fans, I mean, they know this more, but for fantasy fans, look back kind of at the stats when they had Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that's kind of what you're looking here with is you're looking at maybe Cortland Sutton. They're not the same players, obviously. Demarius Thomas, Cortland Sutton, that's the production you're going to get. More touchdowns probably. Then Jerry Judy is going to be this Emmanuel Sanders type, that deep threat, kind of the long ball guy that Drew Locke's going to love. And we can't forget freaking KJ Hamler, my favorite player in the draft, in their slot. I just don't know really how to gauge. He didn't make our, our list of top top wide receivers here because it's hard to gauge his fantasy relevancy at this point. But you're talking a guy that's going to, you know, one week you're going to have him in your lineup. You're not having him in your lineup. He's going to go off. You're going to stick him in the next week, yeah. and he's not going to do anything. I think, I think on the Broncos team, Judy's going to be the guy with the majority of the yards in terms of it. I think Sutton might be the guy that has the red zone impact and get the more or more touchdowns. But I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to draft. I mean, whether it's the end of the first round, beginning of the second round in your drafts. And I think he's going to make an impact, especially by midseason, if they don't have training camps and things like that. And gets, I mean, a little uh, or meshes with Drew Locke a little bit. And you're going to see an impact later in the season. You nailed it right there. I mean, really, at the end of the, the end of the, the end of the day, it all comes down to how Drew Locke develops into year two. I mean accuracy is going to be a little bit of an issue with him but i think if he can really make that step that we all think he can to take the broncos to where we think they can go jerry judy's has is going to be a critical piece in that yeah so we'll go to the next one on where you think they could go 
the Eagles, they take Jalen Rager, maybe over Justin Jefferson, a couple other guys that maybe could have fit better. Jalen Rager is really outspoken about how he wants to be this great wide receiver. He's working hard. It's your Eagles. What do you think about Rager? Yeah, I mean, I have really warmed up to this pick. I mean, I still would, I love Justin Jefferson and hope all the success for him in the world. But Jalen Rager really opened up to. I mean, he he was just talking the other day how the the thing that scares him most in the in the world is being average. And so he's going to work his ass off to not be average, which I mean, it's it's talk for now. But I think the reason why I'm really I'm really thinking that this could why he falls in here at number three for us um, and not a guy like Henry Ruggs is just because right now the Eagles depth chart it's Alshon Jeffrey. Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and Marquise Goodwin, who they acquired. And so I like that they actually have some depth there now. But Alshon Jeffrey probably is going to start the season on the pup list because of a foot injury that he sustained at the end of last year. He probably will be out till midseason. So then you're talking Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, and then you know Whiteside-Goodwin mix, and then some of the rookies they got. To me, Jackson can't stay healthy. Rager's almost in my opinion, it's going to have to produce for the Eagles to get where they yeah, want to and be. And like you mentioned, it, Jackson has injury issues, missed a lot of last season. And what Rager needs to bring to the team is security in catching the ball. That's that's what the Eagles – No more Algalore yeah, means. That's what the Eagles have lacked the last couple of years. That go-to guy, Wentz has hit a lot of people in the hands – you know, and they just they're not picking up the third downs they need to to keep drives going. They still have great tight ends there. So the lack of wide receiver play isn't huge to me because you got Goddard, you got Ertz there. They just need somebody that's secure and I'm throwing him the ball and he's catching the damn ball. Yeah. And I think he's gonna bring that to him. Yeah, one thing, I mean, he's not as good of a deep threat as Deshaun Jackson is, but that's I mean, that's rare to find in the league. But what Jalen Rager can do is go over the middle, catch the ball, and he's so electric on the screen passes, those short routes, and as a route runner, he is phenomenal well going back and watching some of his tape like that's one thing that really popped off the screen to me yeah and he's a shifty guy so you get the ball in his hands and he can really make plays I think he's going to be a guy that all of a sudden one game you'll be like holy shit he has 150 yards and a touchdown and then in a week you'll be like well he's got 30 yards yeah so Jalen Rager definitely will be kind of a boomer bust maybe early in his career till he can break through but consistency will be the name of the game for him if he can provide that consistent threat you know, as you talked, one game he might have those big play or big yards and the next game not so much. But yeah, I mean, since we're on the Eagles, I just want to talk about another guy that people might have been asking about how he might play into things. And that's Jalen Hurts. You know, we're going to talk about him in the quarterbacks. but We'll just we'll talk about him here because um, he's kind of nobody knows what he's going to do yet. He's going to be more of a running back than than uh, maybe a quarterback early um, this next year. But I think, you know, we're looking around the league and how fantasy le- leagues like ESPN and others are, are changing it so that Taysom Hill can have kind of this weird flex spot. Um, so you can play him there and he can still have the quarter, quarterback potential, but as a flex. Um, so I think look around your league, see if that's happening, because if he is, you might want Taysom Hill. But anyways, Jalen Hurts might play into that a little bit where if he's maybe getting six carries a game and he's getting 50, 40, 50 yards a game, you you want it to be like, dang, and, and some touchdowns, you're like, dang, I might want to fi- try to find a spot in my lineup. Um, look to see if you have that flex position, that different flex. Read about it a little bit. Um, I think that's where maybe Jalen Hurts can get some of his potential because the throwing talent's there, but we're not looking at that right now with Wentz playing. Yeah, and for the guys that are worried about Rager and taking him based off of, well, is Wentz going to be hurt? What's happening? You hear stories of, well, he could be retiring. That's why they take Jalen Hurts if he gets hurt. If he keeps yeah. getting hurt, or if, if Wentz keeps getting hurt, there's some fear of like an Andrew Luck situation. Yep, and so I think, I think the guys with – Rager is you take him because I think the ability is absolutely there. I think Wentz will help him elevate his game compared to the quarterback play he had in college. And I think Hertz still helps him. I think Hertz is a good enough backup quarterback 
or flex position. And if he starts, I think you don't lose anything with White or with Rager's production. Yeah, I think yeah, you you make a good point where at the end of the day, Hurts right now provides more insurance for Rager and team success than he does for his own fantasy relevance. But I thought I'd just put that out there. Um, but he does give Rager a little bit more insurance that they're going to have a, a solid backup if Wentz does get hurt. Um, so we'll move on to our next guy again. Where's Henry Ruggs at? Well, he's not here. This is Brandon Ayuk. And I'll let Robert talk a little bit why we think Brandon Ayuk falls ahead of like the Henry Ruggs, maybe the Justin Jeffersons. You know, he was drafted by the 49ers. I know you like Ayuk. Yeah, yeah. we'll just touch on it really quick and move on. But they, they drafted Debo Samuel last year. Look at the impact he had being a second round pick. They obviously want to run the ball. They lose Emmanuel Sanders, but I think Ayuk comes in. He offers more of a deep threat than maybe Debo was offering, and I think he's going to get a lot of touches with safeties pulling up trying to stop that run game and him going over the top and being able to catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, 49ers depth chart's pretty slim. It's, you know, you've got Debo Samuel, great player, star player there. Then it's Brandon Ayuk already because then after that you have Kendrick Bourne, um, Jalen Hurd, and Dante Pettis, two guys who haven't really panned out yet with Hurd and Pettis. Bourne, who's a good guy, but I mean, he's just, he's kind of just who he is. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has a lot of potential to drop in there and, and get close to a thousand yard season um, and maybe eight touchdowns right off the bat. Yeah, and Ayuk's uh, ability to catch touchdowns, he's sure handed. I mean, over the shoulder catches, catches in traffic. He offers what maybe the 49ers have been lacking downfield minus Emmanuel Sanders. So I think he's going to be a great option that maybe sneaks in there where you go, where did he come from in the wide receiver class? So it's something to look at in your drafts. And for you that love that Spider-Man meme, or for those that you that love that, where they're pointing at each other, this is Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel when they show up to training camp. Because really, Brandon Ayuk, we talked about it. He was a running back, converted to wide receiver, fantastic with the ball in his hand, run after catch. That's Debo Samuel. He's just not as thick, but he's a little quicker down the field. So yeah, I think they're going to complement each other really, really well. The next player we're going to move to, it does pain me a little bit to talk about, but that's Justin Jefferson um, at the Vikings. And, you know, again, Eagles passed on him. He lands there. He kind of tells every team, you're going to regret not taking me. But we know the talents there with Justin Jefferson. He was one of my favorite uh, receivers. Robert's probably one of Robert's favorite receivers, too. Yeah, and you look at him, I mean, a year ago, he, he didn't have the production that would have justified a, justified a first-round pick. You bring in uh, Burrow, and he really pops off this year, going to the national championship, has huge games. I don't think Cousins gets the most out of him. I'd be a little weary of taking him just off production that way. He's not a Stephon Diggs. And between him and Thielen, they're both going to want to play slot. Justin Jefferson was better in slot. So if you get him outside, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. And maybe Cousins isn't going to be as accurate to really help Jefferson. I do think he has a productive rookie year. But it's not going to be explosive like you saw in college. So if you're expecting him to be that 17-touchdown guy you know, and, a, and 1,500 yards, you're going to be disappointed that way. Yeah, I think – I think Justin Jefferson's production is going to come more on third downs and in the red zone. I think he, he'll be a third down safety blanket and he'll, he'll try to take some top off the offense, but he, he's a touchdown machine. So I think, you know, those bootleg rollouts, um, that's where he's going to find it in the back of the end zone. He'll have some production there. But if we look at his depth chart of uh, the Vikings depth chart, I mean, you have Adam Thielen, Tajay Sharp really are the top two guys there. So Justin Jefferson's already going to jump over Tajay Sharp in the depth chart. So, I mean, he's he's going to have looks. It's just that the Vikings offense, they don't throw the ball enough for me to love his fa his fantasy potential day one because there definitely will be yeah. an adjustment period. So your period. Vikings fans out there that are like having Laquan Treadwell nightmares about him dropping the ball, what you get now is a guy coming in that's sure-handed and all those balls that Treadwell dropped on third down like Michael talked about, 
now you're going to catch. You're going to extend drives. You're going to be able to feed it to Delvin Cook and your, your running backs more and be off play action. So I think who this really helps is maybe like a Kyle Rudolph for those guys who Jeff, Jefferson takes away the linebackers and the safeties in the middle of the field, and Rudolph is open on those play action passes. Another player who's definitely going to help the team success, the quarterback overall, more so than his own fantasy relevance. But down the road, I mean, Justin Jefferson, if, if he ends up making the transition to an outside guy, that's where like it'll be down the road a little bit when he can maybe have that Stephon Diggs type value. But now we're going to move on to Henry Ruggs, the guy who was drafted as the first wide receiver in the draft. And yet we have him down our rankings, you know, past the top five. So, you know, the reason for it is simply one thing. It's Derek Carr to me. Why Henry Ruggs is falling where he's falling. And it's just because, yes, he's a speed guy. We, we love that potential there. But I am worried that in that offense, Derek Carr is going to have trouble getting him the ball down the field for those big plays for that Tyreek Hill type um, potential uh, or production. Instead, it's going to have to be made over the middle of the field, which, yeah, he can do. He's a phenomenal route runner. But I just – I worry – for the first season, the reason he's falling is because I'm worried his first season value, he won't reach his full potential for a couple of years, maybe until they get a new quarterback. Yeah, and for you guys that are drafting your rookie drafts coming up, the only way I take him halfway early is if you have starting wide receivers that you're comfortable with, because he's not going to be your number one or number two. He's going to have big games on bye weeks if you have to play him as a number three or four receiver in a slot. But he's not going to be consistent enough. Again, you say Carr. And I think the Raiders really want to feed Jacobs the ball. I mean, look at what he did last year. I think that's really where they want to drive it to. And since we're on the Raiders, I'm just going to touch on another player there that could have some impact. Because I really do like what the Raiders are doing overall. Um, you know, I, Henry Ruggs, he's going to have his production, productive games. He's just going to be hard to gauge. So be careful in your fantasy drafts, reaching too early on him for a guy you know that's going to be getting more catches every game. Anyways, Lynn Bowden Jr., and I know I talked about him a little bit when we did our, our running back rankings and some sleeper picks and stuff like that. But Lynn Bowden Jr., he got drafted. He was a wide receiver, quarterback, running back for Kentucky. Now, where he falls in to um, the Raiders' offense is a little confusing. I think he's going to be a running back and try to be a par- primary pass-catching running back. But right now um, at the Raiders, for Josh, for Josh Jacobs, he's going to be a, a really, really good um, backup for Josh Jacobs. And I think he's going to replace a little bit of that DeAndre uh, Washington pass catching and uh, Jalen Rashard. Uh, I know they brought in Devontae Booker out of the Broncos, um, but I think Lynn Bowden's going to get a lot of fantasy production. So if you're sitting in round three and you're like, oh, who's a cool flyer pick I could take? Look for Lynn Bowden as kind of a sneaky, you know, Josh Jacob had a little bit of an injury last year with the shoulder. Lynn Bowden could kind of come in be a really cool PPR kind of Ty Montgomery, but also has some throwing potential. Yeah, and he he has all the talent in the world. The only thing that concerns me is just where do you put him? And you touched on it. I mean, I think Gruden's bringing him in saying, hey, I'm smarter than everybody else. I can make this work. And he's shown at Kentucky that he has all the ability in the world. So like you say, he could be running back. I see him as maybe in the slot there and working him around. Um, possibility with those quarterbacks he could play some quarterback who knows in the wild card or wildcat like that what really concerns me with the Raiders and we go back to Henry Ruggs is they have Tyrell Williams they love Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr loves Renfro and they have Zay Jones now another speedy type guy so again I think you're getting too many mouths to feed with a quarterback that can't distribute the ball like that absolutely yeah I mean that's kind of it on the Raiders I just wanted to throw that name out there for you be weary of Henry Ruggs a little bit I hope the best for him because he's he's dynamic um, but don't forget, the Raiders brought in Nelson Aguilar, so the, they've got their hero there already. But um, moving on, we're going to go to 
the last of our, our wide receiver rankings, we've got four players here. We're going to kind of run through pretty quick. Um, but some guys who are going to make some impacts day one. And a guy, Michael Pittman Jr., who I actually think could have more of a fantasy-relevant year than like Henry Ruggs. But just right now, we don't really know how he's going to fit in with the Colts because of Phillip Rivers' addition. Phillip Rivers' addition to the Colts is the reason why he's falling down the board. But the Colts picked Michael Pittman Jr. because they thought he was the best uh, of the, the wide receivers in the draft. And he fell to him in the second. They're like, hell yeah, we're going to pick up this guy. He's 6'4", ran a 4'4", He doesn't drop the ball. Um, granted, he's a USC wide receiver. But yeah, what's well, your thoughts? I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk too on the depth chart here coming up. But T.Y. Hilton is triple covered at times, and they're trying to force him the ball. And you know Rivers loves to throw it down the field and likes to throw picks. But I think Pittman's going to be able to bring in that second option in a really weak depth chart that you're going to talk about. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, if T.Y. Hilton is the number one guy on the outside, and then you have Michael Pittman now already going to be a starting outside wide receiver. So when you're looking for fantasy value, you want a guy that's just going to be on the field um, and then look to see how he played with with a quarterback or how the quarterback and him's chemistry could work. Outside of that, Paris Campbell, their first-round pick last year, will be a slot guy. So another mouth to feed, but not the same position necessarily. And then they brought in Trey Burton to play with Jack Doyle in the tight end position. Uh, otherwise, people like Zach Pascal and Marcus Johnson really aren't going to threaten them in the wide receiver position. But Philip Rivers, coming from the Chargers, had a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., and that was Mike Williams. And I think Mike Williams, was he was kind of a guaranteed almost 800 yards, six, seven, eight touchdown guy if he was healthy, even 10, 12. He led the team at touchdowns one year. Michael Pittman Jr. has that ability day one to be – uh, I don't know, a top five rookie wide receiver this year, maybe top 10 overall receiver if Philip Rivers hits his drive. Yeah, and so we'll move on to, I mean, questionable depth charts, and we'll move on to Denzel Mims here, who you're a big fan of. They talked about, well, where is he going to go? Is he going to go first round? He was kind of flying up the boards, didn't really make it there. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Denzel Mims and his position? Well, you know, I cooled off a little bit on Denzel Mims after watching some tape on him, seeing that he really only runs the go route and then a, a fade in the end zone. But there's so much to work with there in terms of the raw talent and the raw potential. So I do think he's going to have a lot of success. And finally, for Sam, for Sam Darnold, they bring in a guy that they can get some, some, uh, some talent to him. But really outside of him, I mean, they bring in Brashad Perriman, another speed guy, kind of another go-route guy who did just come off his best year for Tampa Bay. But, I mean, Denzel Mim and him and Perriman are going to be going down the field. And then they've got Crowder in the slot, who is their best receiver. Um, and then outside of that, they got Chris Herndon as a tight end. They don't really have receiving threats. So if you're looking for the high, high flyer in this group, it's going to be Denzel Mims. And then the guy we're going to talk about next maybe, but really Denzel Mims will be your high flyer potential Josh Gordon, random, you know, yeah. if he's in the second, maybe take the flyer if you feel comfortable with your roster. And, and this talks – I'm a huge fan of Sam Darnold. It talks about how poor of an organization the Jets are. When your number one wide receiver is Crowder, it just shows the lack of explosiveness. And your coach now doesn't like your running back who, I mean, with the Steelers, put up huge numbers in Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. I don't think he's that type of running back anymore. Darnold's been running for his life and, I mean, getting hurt because his line's bad. They invested in that. I just don't know if he has the time to get the ball out of his hands for a Denzel Mims who only has the one go route like you talked about. But we'll move on from him. We'll go to Chase Claypool, another guy you were really big on going forward. I will mention one thing quick about the Jets and Denzel Mims, and I'm pretty sure Heinz Ward is their wide receiver coach. I'll have to look. I, I, I'll, I should look on that, but I'm pretty sure he is. And if that's the case – you kind of hope that maybe Denzel Mims is going to be taught really well by a wide receiver coach. Um, or, or maybe Heinz Ward has something to do with that, yeah, he's with that the team. Jets. So, yeah, Heinz Ward's with the Jets. He works with the wide receivers. 
Um, I think maybe you hope that Heinz Ward can get the most out of Denzel Mim in that regard. Um, but yeah, moving on to Chase Claypool is a guy I'm very, very high on. Talk about an athletic freak, only something at the combine that Calvin Johnson did. Chase Claypool goes to the Steelers, and I loved the pick. Interesting, the pick. You know, they only talked to him once during the Senior Bowl, and they were like, that's our guy. If he's around in the second, we're getting him. And of course he was. So he falls into a depth chart that has Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Chase Claypool. It might not sound super crazy. You know, we, Robert and I both think Juju Smith-Schuster is a fantastic number two wide receiver. We don't think he's a number one guy. But if you have somebody there for him so that he can be a number two wide receiver, he will be probably the best in the league. But a guy like Deontay Johnson, who had some fantasy some fantasy breakouts last year, kind of their number two guy right now. James Washington's kind of a slot guy. Chase Claypool will have to kind of earn his way in that depth chart. But with his raw talent and his athletic ability he's going to be in the tight in, in the slot as a tight end sometimes he'll be on the outside he's going to be a playmaker it won't maybe be day one potential or you know day one uh fantasy impact but down the road chase claypool Steelers always seem to have a very fantasy relevant number two wide receiver so whether it's going to be johnson or claypool it'll happen yeah, and we'll stay in the same division here move on to t higgins who i wasn't very big on in the draft obviously if you've listened and he goes to the Bengals there. They take him right away in the second round, pair him up with Joe Burrow. And in my opinion, that offense, if you look on it or look at it going forward, has some potential there. Depending on what AJ Green's going to be in the future, you got T. Higgins who can stretch the field. And so all you're doing is trying to load up some offensive weapons for Joe Burrow, who had that at LSU. It may be the best fit for T. Higgins, in my opinion. You come with a guy who is around your age, you can work with, I mean, come from big programs there. So I do think Higgins has some impact there. I don't think it's going to be great, but he's going to be a great red zone target for Burrow. 100%. And what he does is you kind of hope that what he is is just he replaces A.J. Green someday and maybe can live up to that. I mean, that's a that's a tall task to, to ask. But, you know, T. Higgins comes in to learn it from A.J. Green to, to get that chemistry with Joe Burrow. And then maybe one day replace AJ Green. Um, you look at how like last year, Auden Tate had these games where when AJ Green got hurt, Auden Tate was actually fantasy relevant. You kind of wanted him as your number two, number three wide receiver. I think that's where you know you get Higgins's value. Yeah, and I think Joe Burrow's sitting in a pretty good position right now with Green, Boyd, Higgins. You got John Ross. You just if he can stay healthy, he's fast. It's just what you're going to get out of him. You don't know. Joe Mixon's talking about sitting out if he doesn't get a contract. So. You have an explosive offense in a very tough division with the Steelers and the Ravens. I'm going to leave the Browns off that. But I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think the future is pretty bright if you get a new head coach. And you know my opinion on that. But It's like beating a dead horse. Yep. But if you bring in someone that can work with Burrow, I think they're developing the weapons. I'd love to see, see A.J. Green stay healthy. I think A.J. Green would have a great year if he can stay healthy with Joe Burrow at the helm. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the other other pass catchers, and that's the tight ends. There's not a lot to talk about here. We're going to ramble through it pretty quick. And that's just because, one, first off, tight end, this tight end class we know was not that great. Um, There's there's going to be some players who down the road will produce. um, But right away, I don't know if you're going to see the impact. Two, usually tight ends in fantasy really don't have that much value in their first year. Anyways, look at last year, TJ Hawkinson, fantastic tight end had one really good game. Noah Fant, towards the end of the season, started to turn it on. It just doesn't really happen, that that transition. And you may only see two that you would take in your fantasy rookie draft, and those would both be for probably future, in a year or two type development. It wouldn't be for impact this year. I don't know if there's anybody this year that's really impact-worthy of their rookie year. I'm telling you, if you need a tight end that bad, if your team 
if your team's so set that at the end of the day, what you need is a tight end, just trade the pick for a tight end instead of trying to just use it and draft one. Um, that'll, that'll come, you know, you're gonna have to do that in the waivers probably or trade for it. anyways, the number one guy is Cole Komet. I mean, he was the number one guy on our board and then he goes as the number one tight end. So everything's just lining up for him to have the most production or be valued the highest. Uh, and then he goes to the bears and that just makes some sense. I mean, right now they have, I think they said 10 tight ends on their depth chart, but obviously they're gonna have to cut six of those. But they, they just got rid of Trey Burton, which was kind of surprising. But I, I guess I understand it. And they've uh, had some tight ends in the past that, I mean, could have been big-name tight ends. Zach Miller. Yep. It's looking, though, at Mitchell Trubisky and being like, you're not a franchise quarterback. And you're seeing it now with the GM going, hey, I screwed up. I didn't take Deshaun Watson. I didn't take Patrick Mahomes. Cole Komet's not going to fix his team, and he's not going to get a ton of yards. He may get some touchdowns. But I don't think he's going to be a deep threat type because Trubisky can't throw the ball deep. We have to. So Jimmy Graham's there and Cole Komet's there. I mean, it's those two guys. Jimmy Graham is going to get the shot to be get all the all the all the um, volume early on. But then Cole Komet will be he's going to be more of the run blocker, so he won't be utilized as much. But I will tell you, if Nick Foles ends up being the starter day one, he loves the tight ends. They use tight ends, two tight end sets for him in Philly with Trey Burton and Zach Ertz. I think if Nick Foles is the quarterback there. And you might be able to get Cole Komet later. You're a little bit more happy with him as your kind of tight end too. And I, and I will say this about Komet. If you take him, you're looking at the second half of the season because I think they'll push Trubisky right away to say, hey, you got to have a year because as the GM right now, he's sitting there going, you, you have to show me something. They didn't, I mean, they didn't take their fifth year option. And so they're going to drop him either way. But as the GM, you have to have something of saying, I, I didn't completely fail by taking him. I will, I will make the flip side of the argument, right? So you didn't use the fifth-year option, which I get. Like, you shouldn't have. But now I think there's not as much riding on him. To, I mean, like, because at the end of the day, would you rather have Nick Foles, who you traded a fourth for, be really good? And then as the GM, you could say, yeah, look, I screwed it up on Trubitsky. But look, it, we just made the playoffs, made a run in the playoffs because of Nick Foles, the guy I traded for, for the big contract that you guys didn't like. Like, I feel like if you miss and, on both, you're kind of fucked then. <laughs> and, and here's what I'll say is I think the first four or five weeks you'll see Trubisky, okay? And I think eventually they'll put Foles in and see how that plays out. What's going to happen is if they have a bad year, you're going to have a coach that gets fired. You're going to have an offense that has to be redeveloped around probably a run game with Montgomery, a very good running back who hasn't been utilized very well because Nagy thinks he is smarter than most coaches. And it just hasn't panned out besides the first year. You got a good defense, but they're always on the field. And they can't turn that into points all the time. Yeah, I mean, they should have drafted 10 kickers and see if one of those worked out just to get some points. But I, I just think going forward, the Bears are in a bad spot where they're in almost in a rebuilding mode. And so to put your chips in on a tight end isn't a very That's good decision. Right very now. tough. I mean, they have with so many on their depth chart, you kind of wonder if it's like, OK, are they going to try to utilize two tight ends more? So that I mean, obviously, that's why Cole Komet comes in at number one for us. But a guy close on his heels and a guy we didn't even really talk about a ton. We briefly mentioned was Devin Asiasi out of UCLA. Now, the reason why he's he's kind of climbed up everybody's boards is because the team that drafted him, and that's the Patriots. And we just know what the Patriots have done with tight ends. So when you get a tight end of the New England Patriots, you're like, okay, you know, we'll have to start looking at him. Yeah, and I, I know you'll make this. I know you'll make this argument too. And we have with the receivers is with no training camp, it's really hard to put a gauge on these guys. Of, I mean, are they are they going to have time to mesh with their quarterbacks? Asi Asi, I mean, obviously it's going to be Jarrett Stidham, a first-year starting quarterback. 
And so there's going to be a lot of time to develop there. I think it's a guy that though that could develop into a very good number one tight end, but you may not see it the first two years. It may take some time to develop. Yeah, and I think with Jared Stidham starting, the players that you're going to look for the most fantasy relevant relevance are running backs because they need to run the ball more to help him. And then like James White as a check down and then tight ends as a safety blanket, like Julian Edelman he, and, and your tight ends. So Aussie Aussie and then a guy we have at the end of our list is Dalton Keene. He kind of comes in as our number six tight end. But, I mean, those are the two. They drafted both of those within 10 picks of each other to come in and be, you know, Aussie Aussie's more the pass catcher. Dalton Keene more is maybe your your combo guy. But the thing is, David, Devin Aussie Aussie has been getting some comparisons to, like, Mark Andrews, Martilius Bennett, Aaron Hernandez, and Jordan Reed. But those comps all say one thing. This guy's a pass catcher. He's a little bit more of your speed guy. And I'll just say, and I don't want to say it, but the last time the, the Patriots took two tight ends like this was Gronk and Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's kind of eerie to see Dalton Keene being more of that combo guy like Gronk and Aussie Aussie being more of this pass-catching Hernandez yeah, type. And, and you, you give credit to the Patriots. They know what to look for in tight ends. And they took some at the time, or maybe there were some better ones on the board. And one of those being the next guy here, Adam Troutman. I mean, went to the Saints. They got Jared Cook there. But we were very surprised that he was still there when the Saints did. We were very high on their draft. And I think Troutman could be the best tight end out of this by the time it's said and done. He was in a very small school. I'm very high on him. He's a big guy, and he's a great pass catcher. What do you think on Troutman? Yeah, Troutman, I mean, coming out of Dayton, there's just a lot of question marks on what it will translate. But if he's going to work anywhere, a team like New England or a team like New Orleans, where you have Sean Payton, he's going to utilize him. He he's interesting because in the past New Orleans kind of had more of these athletic tight ends with Jared Cook or Jimmy Graham. And I think Adam Troutman will line up and help their run offense come early in this career, but will be a incredible red zone threat. Yeah, and the comparison I make is kind of a poor man's Dallas Goddard, just smaller school type of guy. You're going to be the number two tight end with a very good tight end, so he's going to be able to learn from a good tight end, and I think it's going to benefit in a couple years. I think this is Drew Brees's last year. So if you take him, you're really wondering, is Jameis Winston going to be the future there? Hell yeah. Is Tyson or Taysom Hill going to be the future Hell there? Hell yeah. And so, Keep naming yeah, that. No. And, so, and so you're wondering, who's going to be the guy that throws to him where, you know, Jimmy Graham had those big years. Jared Cook had those big years. Those may be gone with the tight end in, in New Orleans in the future. But a great pickup if you can get him towards the end of your fantasy. Yeah, and he's another flyer guy, right? Like I said, he might just get you some touchdowns. It's going to be hard to play him. If you're a Jared Cook owner, I think you maybe go for – um, go for uh, Adam Troutman. I think that's how you do it. You get that insurance for Jared Cook, but at the same time then, Jared Cook's not a young guy either. This could be his last year. Then you have the guy going forward. So that's who, if you're a Jared Cook owner, you're looking for Troutman maybe a little earlier. But yeah, he's an end of the draft, third round maybe kind of guy. Um, the next two guys are just, these guys are flyers. Albert O, of course, we've talked about this athletic freak that lands in Denver. And we, we love the, the pick in Denver just because more athletes, more pass catchers, more potential. But Alberto, I mean, there was reasons why he fell kind of like he did and why he wasn't a first-round talent like he would have been maybe a year ago. And it's just he struggles with some route running, with those route concepts. Um, he could be a better blocker. He could maybe have better catching. But his downfield potential, his touchdown potential is unheard of. Yeah, and so these next two guys like he talked about are probably going to be guys you pick up after a couple weeks when you go, oh, where'd those guys come from? I mean, one's a free agent. One was drafted. But it, with Alberto. He's going to be one of those guys where he'll have three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. And you go, oh, those are great points. And then the next week, he's not going to have any catches. So he has he has 
the experience with Drew Locke. So I think he's going to be trusted maybe no, more than Noah Fant was. But I think Fant still has the most potential there. Oh, and Fant should be – I mean, Fant's kind of a, a sleeper this year to have a really, really, really good season in fantasy. So, of course, he's the guy you want in Denver. If you're maybe a Denver owner or a, a Fant owner, you maybe want to look at Albert O as that insurance policy um, because I, I think that's how it's going. I mean, both are very big upside. But, yeah, Drew Locke and Albert O's chemistry together will allow him to be on the field more. But he's going to probably have to rely a little bit on, on, on an injury to um, Fant to have a lot of production this year. The last guy, Robert mentioned, he was a free agent pickup. So he didn't get drafted, which was a shock. We talked about it a little bit. That's Thaddeus Moss. Of course, the pedigree's there. The name's there. The athletic traits are there. Uh, and then the talent's there. I mean, frankly, he was he was a good player. But, you know, he didn't have a ton of game time. And there was a reason why he fell. Um, we've, we've talked about it. But he goes. The reason he's on our list as an undrafted guy, he just goes to a team that needs a tight end, and that's the Redskins. Thaddeus Moss, he went to the team that called him first, is what he said. He said he wanted to be wanted, so whoever called him, he was going to go to first. That's the Redskins. Jordan Reed, you know, they used him in years past. And he was a phenomenal fantasy tight end. I just think Thaddeus Moss. It's all dictating, of course, Andrew Haskins. But Thaddeus Moss could have a lot of success yeah, there and, early. And Dwayne Haskins, I mean, depending on what his level is from rookie year to second year it plays a big part of it i mean you got terry mclaurin there they bring in a lot of guys where you go that could be great pieces but it all depended on the quarterback and the line i think ron Rivera coming in helps a little bit maybe more than gruden was who didn't trust him before but you had jordan reed as you mentioned injury prone is thaddeus moss going to be able to fight as a rookie free agent as another injury-prone guy who's had surgeries. I, I like him. I think he ends up starting right away, in my opinion. But I don't know if the production is going to be there with the mouths they have to feed. Yeah, it'll be tough to say, but he's a name to look. You don't draft him, but he's a name to kind of have on your watch list for fantasy purposes. And if in, I'd say if after week one he has – or, you know, if he's on the field with some volume, he might not have a great statistical game, but if there's volume there after week one, take an eye on it. Maybe look if you're in a – and if you're in a fab league, spend a very little amount of money on it. But just keep an eye on Thaddeus Moss. All right, so we want to break down the quarterbacks in this uh, – the fantasy quarterbacks or the rookie quarterbacks and their fantasy potential. Um, and really, there's really only kind of one guy to talk about for the most part, and it's Joe Burrow. Obviously, he's the number one guy. He's probably the only quarterback you want to take if you're going to go really early in the fantasy. I mean, if you don't have a quarterback on your team, you're looking at him as in the top five. And if you have, or if you have a league where maybe you have the ability to play two quarterbacks in a starting lineup with a super flex, Joe Burrow then would be a top five potential selection. Um, knowing though that most of his fantasy relevance is going to come down the road. Otherwise, the rest of these guys, you maybe take a late round one flyer on or round two. Um, but why don't you talk about Burrow? Because I know how much you love Burrow um, and his potential fantasy impact. Yeah, he's got the weapons like we talked about earlier. I think he's going to have the yards because he's going to be forced, like you had talked about at some points, to throw 35, 40 times a game. And especially if Mixon ends up sitting out. But I think what comes with it is he's going to throw interceptions too. He's never been a loser. I mean, look at national championships. Before he was sitting at Ohio State, he was good in high school. Yep. And I think he's going to be in a position where when you start losing, he feels like I have to win the game now. And he doesn't have the strongest arm. His accuracy is what really separates him. And I think he starts to get out of that accurate zone and try to force things. And it's going to turn into interceptions. When Burrow is not afraid of making mistakes. Like I, I know I was reading a story about how he's ready to just go out there and learn in rookie year, make mistakes early. And then after talking with Peyton Manning, he called him up. Peyton goes, I'd love for you to break my record of, of most interceptions as a rookie. 
but he said, go do it because what you do is you learn your mistakes early. So go wing the ball, see, test the defenses. And I think Burrow will, I think he's going to have some games where you're like, damn, yeah, this guy's, this guy's great. And then you're going to have games where you're like, well, he did throw, you know, three picks this game. Yeah. And you talk about his confidence. No one's ever shattered his confidence. I mean, it's almost egotistical at times, but he's going to go out there and you talk, he's going to have 300 yards a game and three touchdowns. And the next one, he'll hit a tough team like the Ravens and it'll be a buck 50 for three picks, but he's always going to try to win. He's never going to back down. He's not a check down type of guy. He wants to push the ball and it might get him in trouble early, but I think later in the year, you'll really see it to start to translate. And don't forget his running potential too, a little bit. I mean, more, I mean, you think of it more so when you're talking maybe Herbert or even Jordan love with their ability to scramble, but Burrow has wheels. I mean, when Josh Allen got drafted, we knew he was athletic um, but at the same time, now he's taken over as almost a better runner than a, a, a pure passer in early in his career. I think Burrow could maybe rely on his legs more because of that competitive attitude, that nature to win. Burrow could get you maybe 200 yards, 50 rushing yards, and then two touchdowns, two yeah. picks. But and, that's a good fantasy game. And you talk about his speed. I love his escapability to get out of situations. He did it at LSU. And I think it's almost Rodgers-like. And I think that will develop in his career. But he'll be able to make plays happen out of nothing that they missed with Andy Dalton. But we'll move on to the second guy on our quarterback list. And that's Justin Herbert with the San, or with the Los Angeles Chargers. And he may not start week one with Tyrod Taylor. We want Taylor that Tyrod there. Taylor starting. But Herbert won't be in a position like Burrow when he does start to go, you got to win games. They have a good defense there. They have good run game. And they have the receivers. So I think what he, when he goes in, it'll be what he did at Oregon. Don't lose the game. Don't go out and throw interceptions, which got Rivers in trouble there, and just manage it. I think the first part of his career, he'll be a game manager. What do you think? You're going to see, I think, Justin Herbert being more like Josh Allen was early in his career. I mean, they're going to say don't don't lose the game. Don't throw a bunch of picks. But And, and I don't think he will. I think he's, he's one of the smarter quarterbacks to come into the league um, this young but I think what he will do is, you know, he he will throw the he'll air the ball out. He'll be a game manager. He'll try to protect it. But at the end of the day, with his legs and his running ability, he's going to do what Josh Allen kind of did in his rookie year. And they might try to do some design runs with him because that's how the offense will look under Tyrod Taylor. There's not going to be it could be like, you know, Tyrod Taylor, this this RPO offense on steroids when Justin Herbert finally gets the chance. Yeah, and you mentioned it, and I was gonna mention it is the RPO is now going to be with the Chargers because Rivers couldn't run it and Herbert can. But I just – I like him going forward. I think what you're going to see is Tyrod Taylor playing the majority of the season just because Taylor doesn't throw interceptions either. He doesn't lose the game. And so they're going to be winning these close games and they're going to be hesitant to pull the trigger on Herbert. But I think they just need to get him in there and going. Yeah, I hope Tyrod plays the entire season. One, I like him. But two, I think he needs – I just would like to see him get one more chance to show like you know he took the Bills to the playoffs. This Chargers team is a better Bills team than that, that team was. And really, at the end of the day, you have players like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Um, you have Austin Eckler. You have Hunter Henry. The pass-catching abilities there. And then you bring in guys like Joe Reed and K.J. Hill um, and a, a guy with some potential on Andre Patton that they've had. That I just I think like there's there's a great offense there. They had one of the best drafts this year with getting guys like Kenneth Murray in on defense. And I just I I, I think the Chargers could do really really well with Tyrod. So there's no point to rush Justin Herbert. But by next year, Herbert could have that offense flying and being a contender in the AFC. Yeah, and so we talk about possible next year situations, and now we move on to Tua with the Dolphins. And I personally think he's going to end up sitting the whole season. I think you got a young team that's up and coming. 
and you're not going to win the division this year, but I think you can do it next year. And I think you can be an AFC force going forward. I love their coach. And I think Tua brings the explosiveness, but I really do think he sits this year, moves on next year. Doesn't mean he's not a first round pick though, in terms of rookie fantasy drafts. And I just, that team is building up so nicely and they're starting to, they're going to get young offensive linemen to protect. They took a bunch of them. And what's your thoughts on Tua being with the Dolphins there? Yeah, I mean, Tua, he's just not in a position where he needs to go because they're being patient with the whole system, the whole thing. They're, they're trusting the process, and they're saying, you know, we spent 11 picks this year. We have 10 picks next year. We love Fitzpatrick, and we all want to see Fitzpatrick go out and have a baller year this year. They have some weapons. I mean, they're not the biggest names, but Devontae Parker's coming off a career year. Alan Hearns is an NFL veteran. Albert Wilson's one of the better slot players around the league when healthy. Preston Williams is an up-and-coming star if he wouldn't have tore his ACL. Mike Gusecki's their tight end. Very fun pass-catching tight end. There's definitely players out there to let Fitzpatrick have success, and if Tua does get a chance to play this year, I think he'll show that he was worth the pick, but to me, he won't have any fantasy relevance this year. But he's still a round two pick for me, or a late round one if you're a team. One, if you like Tua, but if you're a team that could use a quarterback. Well, and you talk about his weapons there. It's not what he had at Alabama, but I think he can develop into be bigger weapons. So I, I like where he is. My only concern with him is, did you thrive off of a Alabama offense? Because it's been a while since we've seen an Alabama quarterback be this big, this high. Does it translate to the NFL? Does he stay healthy? I mean, those are all the questions that makes it tough to take him maybe over a Justin Herbert if you do it, just because Herbert stayed healthy. So do you take the health and maybe not as many fantasy points or you take the risk with Tua, depending on what your situation is? I think he'd be a great backup quarterback to keep in a, in starting a one-quarterback league. But in a two-quarterback league, maybe you go elsewhere with Herbert. Yeah, absolutely. I think Herbert, to me, has the most fantasy potential – um, and, and definitely is the reason why his rankings higher for us. And I think even just the next couple of years, I've, I've always been a little bit bigger Herbert guy than Tua guy. So um, I think we just with that overall team, he's going to have more success in the first three years. But we're going to move on to a guy. Those are really the only three people we see having fantasy relevance possibly in their first year. Yeah, and these two guys here, I mean, they're going to be guys that sit for a couple of years. One of them, this guy here, the reason why he's number four is because he could be, you know, with, because of the age of the quarterback starting in front of him, and because of what might happen next year, because it was only a one-year deal, Jacob Eason could be starter for the Colts by next year. The problem is they do still have Jacoby Brissett. So, I mean, unless something happens before the season starts. Until the Patriots call. He's the number three quarterback on that depth chart. So maybe this year's fantasy relevance isn't there. But if he learns and he's willing to buy in, and if that work ethic's actually there, you know, contrary to the reports, Jacob Eason next year could be the starter for a Colts team that's young. It's They're hungry. They've got talent. And then I'll let you talk about Eason because I know and, how much and, you like him. So we'll just touch on it really quick and move on. Eason, another big arm guy. He's got a lot to learn. And I think learning under Rivers for one year will be great. There's come out reports that Rivers has a job with uh, high school in Alabama to coach when he's done, if that's what he wants to do. And I think in a year he's done and moves on. Brissett, I don't think is the answer there. But I think Eason will get a shot for a year or two just based off his arm. Now, how hard does he want to work, like you mentioned? That's a big issue. But I think the coaches there, they're really going to get the most out of him, and they've been good at developing in the past. Talk about development quarterbacks now. It hurts me a little bit, but we're talking about Jordan Love. You have to be watching Jordan Love if you're a fan. In terms of dynasty, because um, obviously this doesn't apply a lot to redraft leagues. Um, we'll talk about that more when we do our fantasy 
uh, uh, podcast here in, you know, in a month or so. But this primarily applies to dynasty leagues and rookie drafts. But Jordan loves a name you have to keep an eye on because the potential is there to possibly have the highest potential of the quarterbacks in this class. And if you have a roster spot going forward where you go, listen, I got a good team and I just I have one spot open that I could bench somebody and sit and see what happens. It's probably Jordan Love. Just for the fact that the Patrick Mahomes comparisons there, he's got the big arm, he's got the mobility, he can make special things happen. There's no doubting that. But is it two years? Is it three years? We don't know how long. Could be next year. Rodgers could demand a trade and be out of there. But he has the he has the talent to be a Patrick Mahomes type if it plays out that way. I will say, and this is not just for Packers fans, but if you like Jordan Love, if you're a Packers fan, if you just you want to have fun with it in your fantasy, and if your team or your league does like taxi squads or uh, you know other positions where you can put players down that. That way, they don't take a roster spot from you. Like, if you have a taxi spot on your on your uh, league or in your league, maybe take Jordan Love like is your last pick, and like say you have a three round, four round league, your last pick because Rogers injury history. Jordan Love could get thrust in and could have some fantasy relevance, or you just sit on a guy who has Mahomes potential. I know all of us now say, God, I wish we would have drafted Mahomes yeah, in our rookie so, draft. And so and so, take him at the end of your draft. I mean, let everybody make fun of you that you're taking a guy that's not supposed to play for a while. And then show him up when he when he becomes the next great Packers quarterback. But we're going to move on here, and we're going to do our top ten what would be picks in a ten team league for a rookie draft. So I'll let Michael start off number one. I mean, this this is how we see things playing out. This isn't due to a PPR. This could play that way, but this is for what the standard leagues would be. Yeah, I think if you have ten teams, if you're drafting top ten rookies, the first one, you know, because of fantasy relevance for running backs. Because of fantasy rollbacks for running backs, I just I think we're gonna go with Clyde Edwards Alaire. I think just because he's the top running back on our board, we have to go with that. Running backs transition the best to to the NFL. I mean, look in years past with Josh Jacobs, you had the years with like Dalvin Cooks and Alvin Kamara, like they just Leonard Fournette. I know <clears throat> they all translate well, usually coming out. He's in the best position to succeed with the highest flying offense. So I would just say Edward Zelaya is probably the number one guy yeah, in the top 10. So I'll, I'll pick number two here. I think it's too early for wide receivers unless you're in a position where you have some good running backs or wide receivers, but I think you're probably picking back further. I'm taking Jonathan Taylor for the Colts just because I think of the impact of yardage and touchdowns. He's the most pro-ready running back in this draft. You worry about the fumbling issues, but I think he's going to be able to produce right away with that Colts offensive line. Now, the only argument I would I, I like the Jonathan Taylor pick at two. I think that's a good pick. The only argument I would make is if you are in a PPR league and say you have three wide receivers, there's a lot of three wide receiver PPR leagues and you need one. This is where CeeDee Lamb would come into play. Um, but, you know, Edwards Alaire is probably still the number one guy because of his PPR potential. But yeah, Taylor, I think most leagues, definitely standard leagues, but even PPR I think Taylor's the safer pick at two. Yeah, and so we'll go on to number three here. I'll let Michael pick number three. Yeah, and you're going to have to stay with the running back thing again unless you're doing the PPR three wide receivers. You just keep loading up on these running backs because of how well they transition. Going DeAndre Swift, he's just got to beat up Kyrion Johnson. He's the most complete back in the uh, out of these rookies. His pass-catching abilities there. Lions offense can put up points if they want. The reason that I look at Swift here is because I think the Lions move on from Matthew Stafford next year maybe draft a rookie quarterback. And so he's going to be the guy that gets the majority of the carries going forward and can be the workhorse while they develop a, a rookie quarterback in the future. So I think maybe this year you're not going to see a lot from him, but going forward you're going to see the numbers. 
Yep. And then, so I think number four, do we keep the running back train going or what are you going at number four? Uh, I think CD lamb finally comes off. If you're going there, I think your top three running backs are gone. And so if you're sitting number four, you go, well, I'm going to take the best positional player outside of running back, go CD lamb with the Cowboys. And especially if you're in a PPR league, he's going to get touches. I think he's going to have explosive games. So you're going to have him in – I mean, you, you can start him in a wide receiver spot, but I really think he's going to be one of those flex options in a league, and he's going to be really great when he's in there. You know, and then I got number five. So, Or, you know, at number five, I think this is where a quarterback needs to happen just because of their value in fantasy. Um, and I do think, you know, unless you have a league where you can start two quarterbacks, you have a super flex um, – Burrow probably should go here. Joe Burrow at five. If not, I mean, you're again, you're talking in that three range, maybe uh, if you have a super flex. But again, I think Edwards Alaire is still your number one guy for most times. But yeah, Burrow five for me. In in a very deep league, you're going to want Burrow here just because it's hard to get free agent quarterback pickups. And, and, and with injuries and things like that, you're going to want a guy in, in 10 man leagues. You may have a Matthew Stafford or somebody like that that you can go pick up in your free agents. But I think, I mean, with the potential of Joe Burrow in a dynasty keeper league, that's what you want for your future. And I will point out too, you know, next year's draft looks pretty good for quarterbacks, but the years after, you know, the, the year after that might be kind of a down year for quarterbacks is what they're projecting. So if you're looking down the road for dynasty quarterbacks, because maybe you need one, that would be the case this year, Joe Burrow, maybe next year, Trevor Lawrence. But then again, we have another good running back class coming up next year as well. So, I mean... You just have to kind of yeah. kind of look at that a and little so bit. So the next pick, I'm going to take Cam Akers with the Rams. Um, again, a player I like. I think he kind of fits maybe that middle of first round. You don't want to take him really early. But he's going to be a guy that it, by the middle of the season, he's probably going to be the number one guy with the Rams. He's Todd Gurley-ish, but he's not injury prone. And I think he's got a lot of tread still on the tires. That Rams team likes to run to open up the play action game for Goff. So I think he's going to get a lot of production in the future. The only issue with Cam Akers being that's a sputtering offense at times. Like you kind of worry about how that's going to work because they didn't really address the offensive line. I didn't like their draft for that reason. So without an offensive line, how good is that? And I know McVay likes the two guys in front of him. So that's why he's fallen a bit for us. But then I'm going to come back and take, again, this is a dynasty idea. I'm going to take J.K. Dobbins, the guy who, yeah, maybe first year like we talked might not have the greatest production. But down the road, he could be the best out of this entire group and hope that you would have got him maybe a little earlier. Where are you going with the next one? Well, I'm going to go with Jerry Judy. We're going to take the second wide receiver off the board. Again, I think he's going to get a lot of looks just with Cortland Sutton being there. And he's going to be the number two receiver most likely to start the season. And so I think you're going to go a lot of yards, maybe not the touchdowns with Cortland Sutton being the red zone target. But going forward in the future, if Drew Locke can really take that next step, he's going to be an explosive number two there. You know, and then with the next one, I think if we're going just with rankings, I think you have to look and say, would I go with like a Keyshawn Vaughn here? Would I go with a Zach Moss? Would I maybe go, you know, Rager? And I think I'm going to look at it and say, my, if my team needs a quarterback, this is where you want to start doing the quarterbacks. End of round one, there's a lot of depth at wide receiver. Running back top ones have gone. Why not go for Justin Herbert, who could get playing time this year, but also definitely looking forward on the best of the team's uh, for, for quarterbacks. Yeah, and so to follow that up, the last pick, if you're picking number 10, you either traded it to someone that won the uh, won the league or you won the league, so you have the luxury of taking somebody. You know, you just probably have good by. players. Yep, and so I'm taking Tua here. He's probably going to sit a year, but you might have the highest potential quarterback picking at number 10. If he wouldn't have been injured, he could have gone number one where Burrow was, but I think Tua sitting here, putting him in your taxi squad, letting the year play out, 
I think you're really going to see production in year two. Yeah, as you see in our, our what we would call the top 10 combo rankings, you don't see a tight end in there. You see it quarter running back heavy at the top, sprinkled in with a few wide receivers, and then hitting on those quarterbacks late maybe because of the potential upsides of a guy. You know, like if you can get those those top five quarterbacks, you're going to help your team a ton. But what you see is like this could change if you have a, a team that needs two quarterbacks in it and you're starting lineup with a super flex, quarterbacks get pushed up a bit. But, you know, with PPR leagues, if you have three wide receivers, wide receivers go up a, a little bit. But really, running backs are going to go off the board early because they have the most yeah. impact early and you, you, they are going, they're the most fantasy relevant. Usually in your top five at the end of a season, running uh, backs fill if, three of them. In the standard league here, if you're just doing like a 10 standard league, the, the the wide receiver class is so deep that you don't need to be reaching for a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy. But there's going to be a lot of people that go, oh, my God, he's a Cowboys receiver. I got to take him. And you're going to get the same quality second and third round that are going to get the same chances. So the, the focus is really getting one of the top running backs and the top one or two quarterbacks and then let the board play out as it might. I, th- I think you're going to get some really good wide receivers in the third round. You know, we want to talk one last thing. We each want to pick – what we would consider is kind of our sleeper fantasy rookie, a guy that we wouldn't draft, <clears throat> but that if maybe by midseason we're saying, God, I'm glad we picked him up in week three or four due to volume, or a guy that we're, you know, you could say, God, I wish I would have used my last pick on him. Um, and I'll let Robert start with his guy. I know a guy that he's talked about. And I think that's what was Anto- Antonio Gandy Golden yep. out of Liberty. Hey, yep, and I'm going to go with him. I think he's got explosive athleticism. I mean, you see all the things he does. Again, it all depends on what Haskins is. So I don't know if you see the production maybe the beginning of the year, but I think once he learns a little more, he'll get in there, and I think he'll be a great complement to Terry McLaurin. And I know they have Paul Richardson. They have they have a lot of or they have a lot of pieces around there, but I think he's going to be the number two eventually, and he's just so athletic and a deep threat that Haskins is going to love him. Yeah, I mean Washington, they've had some changes in wide receivers. Terry McLaurin's their their number one guy. He will be going forward. They got Kelvin Harmon there is probably their number two outside guy. Had some success last year, but really blew up, um, you know, later in the season. Or, you know, he's going to probably fit in that number two. He was a later round pick for him last year. Trey, Trey Quinn's their slot guy. Um, and then you got, you know, Antony, Antonio Gandy-Golden. So he's in a position to have that Kenny Galladay type, pro- type production. And I think what happens is he's going to end up being a number two outside guy. And you're going to see a possibility of him getting eight touchdowns potentially this year if Drew Haskins ends up being what he wants to be. My guy is also wide receiver. I know we talked heavily on these running backs, but I think, you know, usually it's the late round wide receivers in fantasy that kind of creep up and end up having a lot of production. My guy's KJ Hill out of Ohio state goes to the chargers kind of baffled me. I know you liked KJ Hill. You want, you were hoping the Packers would take a flyer on him late KJ Hill, kind of a slot guy out of Ohio state. He falls into this wide receiver factory that Ohio state's building you know, guys like Michael Thomas coming out of there, Joey Galladay in the past. You got Terry McLaurin, like we just mentioned. Um, they just keep getting these guys coming into the NFL and have success. Um, Paris Campbell now at the uh, at the Colts. They keep getting drafted. Um, and I think if you look at it, KJ Hill's in a position to succeed with the Chargers. Um, the depth chart uh, looks very favorable for him. Um, you've got Mike Williams on the outside, Keenan Allen kind of in the slaughter outside. KJ Hill then kind of slots in. Uh, they never really replaced Tyrell Williams. Um, they also, they're looking for that Travis Benjamin, maybe that third or fourth guy. I think by midseason, KJ Hill is going to have a tor- Terry McLaurin type of year. And uh, it was a great pick by the by the Chargers. And whether it's Tyrod, whether it's Herbert, 
They're going to have a, a guaranteed slot guy. With all the success of Ohio State wide receivers, KJ Hill has broken most of the records. Sure-handed guy, smart guy. He'll slide in like Terry McLaurin. And, and I want to throw one more out there is LaVisca Chenault with the Jags. If he can get healthy, he'd have been a first-round pick. So I think going to the Jags there, and they really need an explosive player, and he can kind of play all positions. And so I think he's really going to take off. If they give him the chance to get healthy during this preseason, you're going to all of a sudden see him go, where in the hell did he come from? And he's going to have rushing yards. He's going to have receiving yards. So keep an eye on him and – you, you may see it by mid-season really start to emerge. And if I had to throw one running back out there that could be interesting, it'd be Eno Benjamin. You know, a small guy out of Arizona State, had some success in years past in college football, small, shifty guy, good pass catcher. The thing is, I mean, he, he went late, um, and I just think he lands at, at the Arizona Cardinals, who, you know, they got rid of David Johnson. They have some room for possibly a number two uh, I know Chase Edmonds is kind of their number two guy. Kenyon Drake's going to lead them. He's going to be a fantasy, very, very fantasy relevant guy. Kenyon Drake will be. But I think Eno Benjamin could be kind of a sneaky number two for a team that's going to like to use multiple running backs. You know, and with that, I think that wraps up episode 11 for us. You know, that was our, our kind of our fantasy breakdown of these rookies and kind of how we see them playing out. Going forward, we're going to hit up on some more fantasy stuff, talk breakdowns of total overall fantasy for, for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, talk defenses, tight ends. Yeah, and so let's talk about the NFL Mock Draft Challenge that we didn't talk about right after the draft. Do uh, you know who the winner was in that? We had a lot of we had a lot of submissions. Who yeah, won this? so a lot of people submitted. Some were pretty terrible like mine was. Um, but, you know, Jade Hoisington came out on top. And um, he, he, I think, six or seven out of the 15 correct Um did pretty well. Um, I got. I think he got one of his the trades kind of right, or not the trades right, but you know, end up putting putting a player in a position where the trade actually happened. So it kind of worked out interesting there. But yeah, Jade won that. So I got in touch with him and told him he'll be in our in our fantasy league here coming up this year, the quicker than fast fantasy league with a cash prize. So we're gonna keep doing these kind of contests and find contests for people to join this league. Yeah, and so I want to throw a contest out there. Is what I want to do is Mike will give you the email here. And the first person that can send us an idea for a podcast that they want to hear, we'll give a spot to. So reach out to the podcast email. Let us know what you would like to hear. We'll put a podcast together. But for the one that does that, we'll win a spot into our uh, Quicker Than Fast podcast league. So yep. what's the email for that? Yeah, qtfpodcast at gmail.com. So qtfpodcast at gmail.com. Email us your recommendation for an episode. It'll be our episode we'll play, you know, coming up here. Um, and then you'll win that automatic spot to the, the podcast. Yeah, league. and we'll shout you out. So throw your, who your team is out there. Let us know about you. We'll get you on the podcast. Yep. So, yeah, with that, that wraps up episode 11 for us of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. Fantasy breakdown of the rookie. Um, the, the rookies going forward, we think it's a kind of a fun class. We think there's a lot of potential here. Um, but with that, I just want to again say congratulations to my brother on getting his master's. I know he hates school. So I know it wasn't wasn't fun for him to do, but you know, couldn't, couldn't be prouder of him. Um, and and with that, you know, I think yeah, keep sending us recommendations. Get into that that podcast league by being the first to send us one at qtfpodcast at gmail.com. Stay active on the socials. Um, stay listening. Share us. Um, and and we hope everyone's doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe. Um, until next time, keep it sleazy, and we're out.